having that trust, like you said, not just that someone's going to do their job, but I think as a leader, but also just as a team member, creating an environment for people on your small team, on your larger team, your family, that they can say something, though, and and be heard and not, I'm not going to just react or act on it. And, and people sometimes, like, in, in it sounds like, you know, in your case, they may not have known, like, well, I don't know how he's going to react to that. You know, I don't want to say any, like you said, I don't want to rock the boat, whatever. It's kind of their fear of the unknown. So setting a tone and like you have of, okay, so we did discover something when someone told me about it and, and we handled it and we move on and it's for the better of everyone. The- Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top, building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Spann. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this show, you can go to our website, myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experience with an ED. And you can click on podcast, scroll down to this episode, other episodes, download from all the different platforms, read more, find out about the person that we have on the show. And of course, if you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere on the planet, you can go to the homepage, click find a trusted professional. But today we are not here to talk about real estate as usual. We have my friend, Tracy Larison. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, man, I'm doing... I'm not going to lie to you. I, 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 this, is, this is number 11 in, in three days. Gage, what was I thinking doing this many... What was I thinking? We've done 11. We've done 11 already. That's big so time. I, I got my sound engineer over popular. here, you know, who's also an extrovert. Just kidding. And so, anyhow, so we, so Tracy, we start all these off with a joke. My father-in-law, when I started the show, said we got to do a joke. So I do bad jokes intentionally. So this is not meant to be funny, but if you do laugh, then it means I accidentally Googled the right joke. All right. And uh, I thought this one would be kind of kind of uh, fitting, as Gage, Gage knows this about me, is um, when life gives you melons, you might be dyslexic. <laughs> Not that funny. Not that funny. So I had the pleasure of hearing quite a bit about Tracy. And then finally, last week, meeting Tracy face-to-face. At the first time, we got to have our face-to-face board meeting for TCU, since it's all been on Zoom and everything else since the pandemic. And for those of y'all that have seen my friend coming here before, Kevin Davis, the first episode he did is he was still at TCU. Second episode he did, he had left TCU. And now Tracy's not just doing his old job, he's doing multiple jobs. They were like, hey, you know, let's see how many plates you can spin at once. So Tracy, tell tell us what you're doing there at TCU for the audience. So I am, my formal title is Director of Recruiting and Admission for the Executive MBA Program and the Working Professionals Graduate Program. So our part-time MBA and online MBA. But really, as you said, multiple plates, multi-level, helping with all the graduate programs. So TCA Graduate Programs has different specialties. So we're really, um, we have a, a fairly new team there across the board and are really re-energizing that entire program. And so I'm kind of the newest addition leading those parts, but recruiting students for, for those programs is my primary primary charge. Well, you know, and I got to say this about the board meeting, and I, and I told Suzanne, I said, I thought that was a really, really good meeting. I've, I've spent the last couple of years trying to roll off every board I could, even my own foundation mm-hmm. that I had started back in 2013, just because 
Well, I'm at that different stage in my life, right? I'm tired of being on boards, you know, I really don't, you know, really, <laughs> this is totally selfish. This is becoming an inconvenience for me to try to participate in, in, in things. You know, I've had a long year doing a lot and just really kind of wanted to, well, I'll spend more time in Colorado, more time traveling and whatnot. And, you know, and, and, and what I didn't tell uh, uh, Suzanne was this, is I, I kind of intended on attending this board meeting because it was the first face-to-face one we've had since prior to the pandemic to kind of say, hey, I, I think I'm ready to roll off this thing. And instead, I thought it went so well. I thought it was put together so well, ha- having... Uh, uh, the the other folks that were in there talking about what they do, you know, uh, campus engagement, the career service, all that, and understanding a little bit more of the parts, that I thought there was so much value that came out of that meeting. It was so much more efficient, so much more put together, and this will really crack the audience up. They really had scheduled – we were ahead in the meeting because, you know, when they usually get around and go, hey, everybody, you know, tell what class you're in, who you are, what you do. Well, they had made a lot of times expecting me to talk a lot as usual, and I was just like, hey, I'm man, I was out of the 2014 class, and, yeah, I got a lot of irons in the fire, but I'm good. And, and Kim, who was in my class, was sitting next to me, and she was like, that's it? Like, since when did you stop talking so much? So we were actually ahead of yeah. schedule. Uh, but yeah. I did. I got so much value out of that meeting that I walked out of there just feeling re-energized, like, hey, you know, I think I'll stick this out and do this a little bit longer. Okay. And just so you know... Because, you know, I've been a main pipeline source of sending y'all some, <laughs> some candidates yeah. is that even if it did happen down the road that I would roll off, don't worry. I still want to send people there. It's just more of, you know, uh, the timing of being in town to do it. So the, your, your board and uh, one other that I, that I do for Texas Parks and Wildlife are the only two boards that I'm just left on. Right. And so that's like a thing in Tarrant County, too. It's like you get on like 50 boards and then after a while you start to roll off. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I've done the same thing. So and I understand your your debate there. But so we appreciate you being on there um, for sure. And uh, to hear you say the value and that re-energized by that meeting, by the board members, by our plans and kind of going forward, that's really exciting because we feel that way. We're excited. New team, new ideas. Um, the student engagement part is huge. I'm really excited about that for our current students and future students and alumni. We'll be doing more alumni things. So the whole point of getting your EMBA or working with professional EMBA is not just the class and that that 18 months or two years that you're in here, but your network and your lifelong experience and value out of it. So that's good. Good that you are still getting value out out of your involvement. Man, and I tell you, what was really interesting is not only did you, you know, pick uh, the the hottest time to come flying into the fire. Right. But oh, yeah. at the same time, there's a lot of changes and evolving yeah. and different things that are happening, right? So you're you're literally, like when you said when we first walked in here, drinking from a fire hose but, yeah. but right that's, now. Yeah, I, my experience before is, has been similar. Um, it's, there's, like you said, there's not really a, a, a dead time in the cycle. You're always prospecting for new students, but there are a lot of changes that have gone through in the department, a lot of new people. Um, but we're looking forward to that kind of creating a new team and bringing a lot of new ideas together, which will bring, you know, value to the, to the whole program. So I, it's exciting for me. I don't look at, at that as a, a negative as a, at all in a new role, especially there. Neely has such a strong foundation and they're so supportive of all, you know, new ideas and things like that. They never want to stay stagnant um, or, you know, keep doing things the way, you know, just they have been just for the sake of that. They want to be innovative. They want to be progressive. And I'm excited to be a part of that. What did you think about that uh, um, 
deal that was right after the the board meeting with what what was her name? I'm trying to remember. It was a oh Alicia. Alicia. Yeah. Yes. Wow. So I had heard of her, the futurist. Yeah. That's her name. Yeah. I really I liked her. You know, very theoretical and, and you know forward thinking and throw some crazy ideas out there and and see how you can re- respond and adapt. I think that's a good exercise for all of us in whatever business or personal. Um, and obviously it's, it's translated really well to a lot of, you know, fortune 500 companies, very successful companies to at least do the exercise and think that way. Um, so I thought it was interesting. It definitely, it, it, Suzanne Carter, Dr. Suzanne Carter, who's the, the executive director of the executive MBA program, as you know, but new to me, we were sitting with each other and literally coming from our board meeting, from our internal meetings and the things that that we're thinking about were, were literally the core three ideas about connecting and your network and, you know, adapting. And so we felt really validated that yeah. this, you know, amazing, you know, person that had come in for the innovation series that we were thinking and strategizing like hers. So that was really um, exciting to hear, but she's very inspiring. I thought, well, what did you think? Oh, I, I, I so I am huge into futures. Yeah, I'm yeah. a big follower of George too. Friedman. Oh, yeah. I read his daily uh, deal that he sends out. I've read all of his books. Uh, he had one uh, called The Storm Before the Calm mm-hmm. uh, that I literally, I kid you not, he probably had a spike in sales because I, I bet you I bought 50 of those books and sent them out to people that I was like, hey, read this. I just want to get your take on, you know, what he's talking about through the book, you know, and where he thinks, it, you know, why what's going on is going on right now mm-hmm. and what it's going to look like over the next couple of years. So I was really fascinated by that. And, and it, because I'm a, um, you know, especially with this show, is it's, this show is really targeted for, for, for high performers and intellectuals, right? You know, not just the CEO of some publicly traded company. I mean, people that are high performers and intellectuals that, 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 mm. that's how we solve these, these things. Right? right. And, and I was fascinated how she opened up with in 2016, she's there in Las Vegas, they bring this driverless semi. She's like, wow, this is cool. And then it's like, Oh, well, what do we do when all the semi drivers yeah. don't have a job? I mean, it's a lot of people. Right. And then the things she was talking about, right were things that I've been thinking about for years of like, what do you do when thing, people become non-essential? Now, I think the first time people heard truly what non-essential meant was in March of 2020, right? Yeah, right, right. And then, you know, people are like, oh, I'm not essential, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, what do you do when computers and robots change things, right? right? And it's not the first time we've seen that happen, mm-hmm. right? I mean, ask Detroit, Right. Right. Robots and machines and things like this. Printing press. Sure. The, all these little things, they add up, and you either got to be ahead of it, you know, which even then you're just on time, or you're on it, you're already too late, or you're behind it, and you're way too late to the game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I thought that was interesting. And then to follow it up, going into Michael Sherrod's uh, presentation mm-hmm. right afterwards, I've had Michael on the show, known Michael a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'm always fascinated by what he has to say. And a lot of takeaways out of there because I think you you went to his afterwards, yes, right? I did, yeah. And and so he he when he 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 brought that video out about the backwards bicycle and mindset, I've literally been sending it to all my folks. Yeah, I've never seen that before. I, I all had, my you know viewing yeah. stuff and business, you know circulation. Yeah. Never seen that. 
I'd seen it before. I can't remember when and where it was. I'd kind of forgotten about it. But to be able to tie that to mindset, which was really kind of the big takeaway that I got, not only from our board meeting, which is like, hey, we got to change our mindset on how we're doing this moving forward. Mm -hmm. Then we're in there, and she's talking about mindset moving forward. He's talking about mindset moving forward. I thought, man, and this is something that we're under all, all, all my folks that I have businesses with are, are tired of hearing me say mindset, 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 mm-hmm. mindset, mindset, yeah, mindset. It's very conceptual. Sounds conceptual. Like it does. How do we translate? What does that mean? What's right. the actionable thing there? Right. Because without, without execution in mindset, it's just mindset. Right. And right? that's something that only that – person can you know like the 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 bicycle example you you can't change someone's mindset i mean there's training i'm sure and exercises but it's ultimately up to him he he kept trying kept practicing and kept doing it and that's what i took out of it was it's going to be i think so different for each person like if you're in a on a team and we are changing a mindset to something new it's probably going to be a different journey for one person that you know may not be as adaptive or like in the video you know the wiring of the younger person changed quicker than the wiring of the older person of the same type of task so that's really interesting to me leading teams meeting people especially in my role where you know we're putting them in a high performing program and you know not going through their program but then also you know my team um so it i just thought it was real eye-opening on how we work with each other yeah and you know and it is i mean not just to be in a high-performing program, but to learn how to perform better, or as, you know, uh, TCU's NBA tagline is, is, you know, classroom Friday, Saturday, ROI on Monday, right? And, and, and per, you know, executing that performance. And, uh, and it is hard mm-hmm. on that mindset. For my mindset to change is a very easy thing for me to do. Very good at mindset change, not very good at execution. Mm-hmm. My wife, very business partner, very good at execution, not very good at mindset change. Yeah. But one of the things that the reason I would say she's actually as a business partner and as a spouse and the mother of our child is a lot in a better position than I am is because she's always been in execution. I'm still not very good at execution. I'm good at finding other people to execute for me is what I am. Or as my wife would say, you're just good at manipulating people into execution for you. That's called delegating. Yeah, that's what I said. You know, manipulation just sounds like a bad word, right? That's right, yeah. uh, It's all PR. But she has changed her mindset about my ideas so she's adapted to go mm-hmm. hey i've now seen a history i rode that backwards bicycle so many times that if you say hey this is this is what i want to do this is why it's going to work and this is how it's going to work mm-hmm. now let me give it to you so you can put put pencil to paper to take it from a thought process to to, to actual executable process mm-hmm. right and, uh, and so that's why I think she's further advanced for me because she's been able to adapt to my fast-changing mindset, but my ability to adapt to execution is, let's matter of fact, this is kind of a funny thing. Uh, so my EO forum, uh, we, were, uh, we went down to uh, Key West, Florida for our annual retreat, and we all did the uh, Strengths Finder. Yes. Right? I've done that. And, uh, which was really funny because two of the bottom ones for me were harmony and, and empathy. <laughs> Which I was like, yeah, no kidding, right? That was, that was, but anyhow, they, they fall into four categories, which was execution, influence, strategy, and I don't remember what the other one was. You know, it, it, but what I do remember is the one out of all my top ten strengths, right? So they would highlight these categories if, if your top ten strengths were in this category. None of my top ten strengths were inside execution. Yeah. Not a one. Yeah. 
But see, there's nothing wrong with that in my yeah. opinion, right? If you know you're not good at something, that's then right. you find people that are good at it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I, I'm really excited to see uh, your your take as, uh, you know, because you're kind of coming in mid-swing, right? you got one class that's finishing up. Mm-hmm. You've got one that's, you know, they're coming out of finance, so that just totally <laughs> yeah, sucks, right? They right. don't like anybody. <laughs> yeah. And as many of them as I put in there, they say a lot of bad things about me they're right now. You, yeah. How did you talk me into this? <laughs> But is is uh, is your ability to come in and, and look at, hey, how do we make people perform better? And and I want to come back to that, but I think it's important for the audience to understand your history and journey to become a performer yourself. Mm-hmm. So where did all this start for you? Give us give us kind of the timeline that got you to where you're at today. Sure, sure. So I was, I'm the oldest of five. And I, I attribute it to that now. I have very driven parents who both worked full time and put us all in a role of autonomy, responsibility, um, that kind of delegating, like you're saying, you know, that you're responsible for this, you're responsible for this. Um, as a parent now, I'm so appreciative of it. You know, back then, um, it just was chaos. Everyone was running around doing their own thing, and, and we had a great, uh, great, great upbringing. But I now, and especially you know, the past ten years in my leadership roles, have really appreciated those kind of um, subliminal t- teachings that my my parents gave me. So when I went to college, um, uh, went to Texas Tech. We won't. Um, Say that too loud around the TCU fans. No, um, it's all right. <laughs> but went um, went into school for business and communication. Um, I love communicating. Love. I I was political science back then too. You know, I didn't really know exactly what area I wanted to go into. Um, but started there. And when I got out of um, school, I went right into media, and I was in sports media um, on the marketing side. But the more I was around the sales team and the business development team, I realized I really liked that. I really liked the kind of going out and finding people who were going to support the show, sponsors, donors, um, if or business development for you know the business overall. Um, so my background is all sales, and it comes from working on small sales teams where, well, or starting at the bottom. Um, where it's just me. I'm on a sales team. I'm part of a sales team that's 20 people. I think the first role that I had, I was the you know newest, youngest on a 20-plus, very seasoned team in Dallas. So super intimidating, but I learned um, a lot. So what, there. what would you say made it intimidating? Um, I had way less experience, right? I was brand new, didn't know what I didn't know, and that intimidated me. I wanted to sit in the room. I just didn't have enough knowledge. And so for me personally, you know, I want to better understand any situation that I'm in. If I have, you know, the more information I have, I feel more confident. So that, you know, intimidating was probably, you know, right out of school. Yeah. Just not knowing what you don't know. Um, But I'm a sponge. I love to ask questions and sit and observe. And being in that environment, I stuck that out because I knew I'm gonna I'm gonna learn a lot from these people that have that have been here. Um, so my my whole career has been all all different sports media things, but always in sales um, and then managing teams in that type of environment. So when you're talking about you know 
learning from each other and, and high performance, always having the, you know, a goal to reach. Um, but also, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, creating teams, being on team, being a part of a team and understanding what my role is. Um, because like you said, there's executors, there's influencers, um, there's, uh, you know, the different, the different, um, best thing, you know, whatever they bring, that's what they bring to the table, right? Mm -hmm. Like their expertise, their skills. And I think a lot of people and teams that I've been on kind of miss the mark of they'll just give people things to do without understanding that's what they're best at, or that's what they're, um, that's what they're good at or want to do. Why do you think that happens? I just think they're, like you mentioned, not, not open-minded. They don't see, they don't either want to spend the time to, to really get to know their team. And I think that's very intentional like something. Yeah. People just don't, they've maybe come up in an environment where that was never done for them. So they just do the same thing and expect kind of the same results. But, you know, one of the highest things we see is, you know, management complaints, right? And we, I think we talked about this in the board meeting and in some specific industries, but they don't have any training. Their people are getting promoted that don't have team training, like how to be on a team because they've been siloed and maybe especially the past few years, but they've been brought up in different environments and all of a sudden are given a team. So I always like, or I always don't want to just blame that person either because they may have not had any training. They may have not been brought up on or taught how to, how to be on a team, how to treat others on your, on your team and, and get the, the best from everyone. Yeah. And I think Michael's, it was 70 something percent of, of mm. workers uh, would pass up mm. a pay raise to see their immediate boss fired. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, because there is a difference between leadership and management. That's right. And like for me, like I had, I've had, I'm a third executive coach now, right? So I got my first experience at TCU and had Tony for two years. And, and, and it was funny because I remember when Tony said, man, when it comes to leadership, you forgot more than what you're going to learn. Right. And he goes, but when it comes to being a manager, you're horrible. You're horrible. You don't even like to manage. You don't even want to manage. And he wasn't wrong. Yeah. Right, but it just it took somebody going, hey, you're not really a fit for that role because if you're going to be a kind of going back to execution is if you're going to be an effective manager, you need to be able to be effective at execution. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean by like executing just like firing people stuff sure, like that, sure. but you need to be able to execute. And so that 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 was very important. Or or I can't remember what the percentage of people he said that would rather uh, have a robot for a boss. Yes. Right. And that is interesting because, you know, we do live in a complex employment world right now where there's mm-hmm. all these changes that are coming. Yeah. Uh, so so I wanted to ask you, so when you when you were on that team and you said that, you know, you, you get there, you're new, you don't know what you don't know and you're intimidated. How long did it take you to get past that intimidation? Would you say I would say I was in that role um, two years and so the intimidation, probably intimidation with that group, maybe seven or eight months, you know, okay. within the first year. Um, I had, and I think this is a great point for teams, to, to, I had some great mentors in that group that they that kind of organically I matched up with. They, they weren't intentional about that, but it just organically happened. And that was very important because then that just built that confidence. I could ask questions that, you know, I may not have been, have wanted to ask, um, you know, someone else in the group. And I think that happens with anybody that's new to your team. 
they need someone that they can, you know, a safe space to ask some questions where they don't feel like they're going to, you know, be judged or something like that. Um, but it, yeah, I would say seven or eight months in that in that first scenario because it was a pretty big learning curve. Yeah. Um, you know, right out of school. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, they did a great. They did a great job. I had some great people on that team that really, you know, saw something in me they wanted, and we're still friends to this day, like still colleagues. So wow. It's great. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right on the nail. There is, uh, you know, making sure you've got mentors or people that you know that you can be an outlet, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. um, is you know probably one of the challenges that that I ran into with, you know, all my different businesses and business partners and people that work with us for mm-hmm. us so forth, is um, you haven't got to kn- you haven't known me very long, but you probably make an assumption I'm a very strong personality right and I'm like hey look you got to communicate with me you got to tell me you're not going to hurt my feelings you know like even on Monday evening I found out uh something with one of my folks and I was like who is one of my closest friends Mm. I've known forever and I was like dude why are you waiting till now to tell me He's like, man, you got so much on your plate, blah, blah. And I was like, you know, it becomes worse. Matter of fact, even when I was driving to uh, 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 the doctor this morning, because uh, I had two, on my way to the first one, it's kind of, I was like, man, you got to talk to me. You got to tell me what's just going on. I think I've shown over and over I'm willing to pivot and demonstrate that I can make whatever adjustments I need to make, and I can do it very effectively and quickly, mm-hmm. but I can't if I don't know. And that's why we have a saying that I've really been beating like a drum the last couple of weeks is if you see something, yes. say something, yes. yeah. right? Because if you don't, if you don't tell me that it's broken, I have to go off the assumption that it's working fine, right? Right. And, uh, and so, uh, that's, that, so I think you're absolutely right on point there. And, uh, but something that, that and, and I didn't think about this until you said this, is... Um, your experience of working on teams mm-hmm. really does translate to what you're doing now because a huge emphasis on the executive MBA program at TCU is teams, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of, um, and you know this from being through it, but um, at that level, um, people may not have worked. They may have worked in one team in one sector of the company, right? And and worked on the same team for a, a long time. But if they are moving up and now are going to be the CEO, CFO, or start their own business, they have to, to know how to organically nurture, plant, nurture, grow a team from the beginning. And a lot of people don't, like we were talking about, don't have that experience. They come into one that's established. And here's how we do things. And that might, might work. Um, but, but at this level for executive MBA, um, especially these, you know, again, performers and doing all kinds of things, pivoting, starting your own business, you know, going into the C-suite, that's, that's going to be a different, uh, kind of team leadership for sure. Yeah. And it, and it, and it absolutely is. And I know I learned a lot from it. I mean, I've been on some pretty, pretty effective teams myself, you know, from my time in the Marines to, you know, uh, now yes, and, yeah. and, and, and it is, you know, and even I had some learning opportunities Absolutely. through it, right? Like on my first team, they waited till this, what I call the spear peer evals, mm-hmm. right? At the end, <laughs> where I was like, why did y'all wait till after, you know, cause we, I don't know if y'all are doing it the same way now. We were on three teams as mm-hmm. we went through. Yes. My first team waited till after we were done to tell me what I was doing wrong. I was like, why didn't you <laughs> tell me during time? And I'm not faulting. I'm not, it's a not dig. I love this. I love those folks. 
And it, so when I, but what I did is when I opened it up and going into my second team, I said, hey, these are the things that identify with me. If you see something, say something. Right. Right? Because right. I can adjust, I can fix, I can do what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's hard because you got executive level A playing sure. personalities in there, right? <laughs> right. And uh, you just can't go in there and be like, all right, we're going to do laps till y'all figure this out, yeah. right? Yeah. And so do, do, you, do you put much thought into, you know, kind of how all that's going to play out here, you know, currently kind of stepping into this role and – and uh, doing that with with my team or with the um, with, with the, the teams yeah, yeah. in the in the program. Yeah, I I'm excited to see. I'm excited to learn more about that and how, like you said, how they're doing it now. I do like that they rotate them during the program so that you are forced to kind of be and they intentionally place you with different personalities and different things like that. Again, to get the value of you know learning how to deal with different personalities and how each the skill set of each team and what that experience is and and to have that peer to peer evaluation, not just from that same group the entire time but other people and so I'm I'm excited to see to see how it goes. So you being on teams, uh, um, and this is totally open ended landmine to throw yeah. out there, right? <laughs> Bring it, it on. Is yeah, uh, um, in. We, it, you could say that in order to have effective team, it's got to have all these different ingredients, mm-hmm. right? In your mind, what do you think is the most essential ingredient that you have to manifest within a team mm-hmm. in order for it to be a truly effective team? Um, I totally did not prepare you for that question. Yeah, no, it's fine. Here, right? I would say trust because, you know, you can communicate and, and say, you know, I guess we're going to say communication, things like that, or skill sets or whatever that might be. But if you can't trust the other people to, like you're saying, be open with the community, that they are being open and saying, hey, Jeremy, you know, you need to pivot this way or, you know, um, or trust them to do their part of the job or the project or, you know, responsibilities. So, um, and I say that coming from experience with mine because I've been on some teams where we had some great people and, and I knew there were people I can't trust them that they're going to do what they're going to say they're going to do. So, we, well, so That's frustrating, That provides right? a real – yeah, that's just a flat tire. I mean, yeah. we're going nowhere if we have a flat tire yeah. and then everybody else has to pick up. And and it's just the overall culture of your team, whether it's small or big. If you know there's that that you can't trust, it's just going to – it's going to be hard. To overcome that. We, 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 what would you say are some common coping mechanisms when you're, you're on a team, a large team, and let's say 80% of people are doing what they're supposed to and 20% are not? In your experience, what have you seen as some coping mechanisms? Because you're right, it's like driving a car with a flat tire, but you still got to drive the car, right? Right. right. You still got to get it point A to point B. What would you say are some coping mechanisms that whether they be positive or whether they be negative that you commonly see out of teams? So I, well, there's always the venting, right? Which, because people will vent about that individual that's not doing what they're supposed to, so you'll get that. Um, uh, coping mechanism, if you mean by that, like, how do we adjust for that? Or how does, does the rest of the team a, a deal with it? Um, yeah, well, yeah, negatively. Like I said, it just creates that kind of gossipy. They're not doing what they're supposed to. I'm having to make up for that, which, you know, no one wants to feel that way about their job anyway um, or, or the team they're on. Um, but then I've had the experience where 
when there are multiple people kind of recognizing that, it, it helped a little bit in moving the the effort up to, to change it for someone to notice and say, okay, well, two or three of you are experiencing this same kind of, you know, issue. They're not doing what they're supposed to, or there's a there's a slack here in the in the rope. Then um, then they then we get it fixed. It's a little bit louder group. So I think that communication about it was important because at least it. It, it eventually got fixed. Yeah, you yeah. said you said two two important things. By the way, you said my favorite word, which is trust. Right? I mean, that's uh, I don't think you can do anything in life mm-hmm. without trust. You know, it's kind of like when uh, um, you know I you <laughs> know and anybody that knows me knows I am totally you, know, you you hear this as being cliche. This is truly not cliche if you know me. Is when people go, you do not deserve your wife, right? She is a saint. She is an incredible human being. This is not one of those cliche things. And I'm like, you know, it's like literally because my friends remind me like, you out of all people, how did you get that lucky? <laughs> right. And, and but, you know, and so when people go, what makes us, you know, because it's hard to be not just spouses and you're co-parenting mm-hmm. and you're co-business owners. Right. I mean, that's right. that's you're never away from it. That's 24 right. seven. Right. right? Yeah, you're not going to get away from it. And let me tell you. <laughs> Love, that four-letter word, sometimes not powerful enough, right? And passion and all this other stuff. Trust, mm-hmm. right? Right. Trust in relationships. You know, my my wife can trust that if she says, I need this done, mm-hmm. I'll go do it. Yes. And vice versa. Yeah. She can also, good, bad, or indifferent, trust, oh, wow, you're going out with who tonight? You better make sure you Uber because I can trust that you're going to be an idiot tonight. You're going to drink more than right. you should have, right? And then, and then I get the uh, reel it in span is what she likes to say. Uh, uh, and then it's like, hey, we need to talk about these recent behaviors. And I'm like, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, but but that trust is so important uh, because one, if you if you have leadership within the team, right? And it doesn't always have to be the team leader, yeah, right? Absolutely. It can be an opinion leader that comes in and says, hey, there's 20 of us and you four, you're 20% or whatever, I'm just mm-hmm. picking them out, random numbers, are not doing your part to carry the load. You know, we either need you to do it or we need you to leave or we need you to figure out what the workaround is that you can be able to go do this. Right, right. I had that recent example happen. It was, again, one of my people did not tell me that they were absolutely miserable for the last six months. When you see something, cause. Yeah. I'm going to make a tag. I'm going to make a tagline out of this. When you see something, say something. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll never forget, we were, we were sitting there, and, uh, uh, and there was four of us in the room. Uh, we'll, we'll call the fourth person, not necessarily a moderator, but a coach. And I'm sitting there the whole time like, how long has this been going on? And he goes, six months. Mm-hmm. I said, dude, you've been miserable for six months? I thought you'd been happy for the last six months. He said, no. Yeah. And I said, hey, all right, here's, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to get a plan together. And, and, and we did, and we very quickly pivoted, right? Because then the, 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 the fear that hit me that next morning is when we were having an all-team meeting. As I looked at Laura and I said, um, if he's this miserable mm-hmm. and he hasn't said anything, and everybody else in the house has been quiet as a church house mouse. Right, right. My fear is there's there's a lot of uncomfortable going on right now that nobody has said anything. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, and it's kind of funny. It's a blessing and a curse, right? It, it, on, on, on the part is our people are so incredibly loyal that they're willing to eat fire and not say anything because they just don't want to cause any disruption. Not because they're afraid of conflict. Trust me, I know this team. This team ain't afraid to say something. But they just didn't want to cause a disruption with what we were doing. But the curse of that is because they weren't saying anything. As a matter of fact, because I'm going to come to this book on the other thing you said, right? So you got to have that person that steps up and says, hey, time to get on board, get a workaround, or get the hell out because, you know, we're falling behind because you're not being a team player. And then you have things that create toxic environments, mm-hmm. right? And I think that not one of us, not one of us humans out there, have not been guilty of this at least once, which is gossip. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Either, even if you weren't the cost, the gossip starter mm-hmm. or the gossip receiver, listening to it, but the person that heard the gossip going on and never said anything, mm-hmm. right? is that becomes very, very toxic because then what happens is these assumptions and beliefs right, right, start to align based on the assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and, and, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and if so I, I got that, and that's a, a book. I'm on my third time of reading this that was given to me by my friend Don Williams, amazing man, been on my show a couple times, entrepreneur, coach, public speaker. I mean, just, God, everything does is just great. Uh, uh, as a matter of fact, that's who I was talking to on the phone <laughs> right before we started. Um, but he gave, he, uh, he gave me this book called The 15 uh, Traits of Being a Conscious Leader, right, or Conscious Leadership. But, but I'm on third time, and I'm underlining things in, in two key takeaways. And I've had a lot of takeaways out of this book. Two key, key takeaways are you got to end gossip. Mm-hmm. And the way to end gossip, though, is you have to make it where, like you were saying, it's like being in a trusted environment where somebody can say, hey, we need to mm-hmm. talk about this. Right. Right, because if not, it turns to gossip. Or uh, uh, a part that I read in the book that I thought was pretty pretty impactful is that when you withhold, that's worse than lying. Right, right, yeah. Right, and, and I agree with that. Yeah, and that's yeah. a that's a that's a t- that's a tough one, mm, right? To digest, yeah, for sure. I um, the um, having that trust, like you said, not just that someone's going to do their job, but I think as a leader, but also just as a team member, creating an environment for people on your small team, on your larger team, your family, that they can say something though and and be heard and not, I'm not gonna just react or act on it. And, and people sometimes, like in, in, it sounds like, you know, in your case, they may not have known, like, well, I don't know how he's gonna react to that. You know, I don't wanna say any, like you said, I don't wanna rock the boat. Um, whatever it's kind of their fear of the unknown so setting a tone and like you have of okay so we did discover something when someone told me about it and and we handled it and we move on and it's for the better of everyone the creating that kind of safe space to for someone to be honest like i'm not happy i want to be in a you know do something different or this isn't the right team for me is part of building that trust right i can trust that i can tell someone on my team or my leader that I need to be doing something differently, or I don't feel like I'm contributing. Um, that that's part of that that trust too, not it, from the beginning. And or if you're if you're coming into a team where you do see some toxic stuff going on, or or the wheels falling off, right, and the the back rear tire, then something's going on. So start the conversation. Say there's some things going on. If you're if there's something in your space or your area ever, you know, come to me or go to your team leader or, you know, go to someone that you feel comfortable with so we can do some, you know, do something about it. I, I worked for a company 
that did a great job of this with new hires. They had their trainer, the person they, and their boss, but then they had a random person not associated with their team in the company that they could, that that was their safe space to go, no, really, like, how's it going? How are you feeling? I'm not reporting this to anyone. You can just ask me the stuff that you don't want to ask them or, you know, things like that. And I thought that was really helpful. It showed that they really intentionally, you know, cared about the person um, and gave them an outlet to kind of have conversations that they might have felt uncomfortable with to their boss or trainer, you know, in the first six months. So I want to throw out, I I have a habit of throwing out landmines. (laughs) And one of the rules we have on the show is if, if you want to sidestep this landmine, <laughs> we can cut it. We can we can cut this little segment out, right? That's a good thing Fair about enough. having a, an experienced Gage. production team here. <laughs> Gage over there, because trust me, they spend more time cutting out the dumb things I say. Uh, and, you know, because and, and let me let me start it off with saying this. I grew up with a very strong mother. I have a very strong wife. And I have a very strong 21 year old daughter. Right, Insane. so I'm very, I'm very pro woman, okay. But one of the things that I that I, I believe is becoming safer for women to feel that they could speak openly about in today's day and age is that it was boys' world for a long time, mm-hmm. and and competing in that world, right is what is that like to be and you know you're, you're like okay yeah i want to go i want to go i want to go play in a game but man this seems like boys club over here again if you say hey we can cut it i'll, I'll cut it and if you go no I, i'm more than happy to talk about yeah. that right no um well i don't feel that way about the tcu where i am now i have worked in the sports world since i was 20 and definitely started out like that and that was in 1998 99 and was definitely like that. Um, and But I will say there are different parts in, in different roles where, and even when I, when I was younger, those roles in that sports kind of boys club, if you will, it was all men. The, the women were like PR or marketing or assistants. They weren't in the sales you know, role, like a high level sales role. But I was like, well, that's what I wanna do. Or I saw one and the rest of the team were men. But I will say I was in some very supportive, encouraging environments, um, as well as some not great ones during that time. I mean, it's sports. Um, it, it's evolved really well. At TCU, and, and I worked at TCU in athletics before I worked here at the Neely School, um, have always felt really supported. Um, I do not feel like I, every athletic director, coach, assistant, whoever, administrative, marketing, everyone has been, that is a very healthy um, culture for females to work in. That's across. The- that's great. I, which I, is why I went back. <laughs> yeah. So now, all right. So let's, uh, uh, um, so when you say you went back, so there, so your time between TCU athletics, you, you, you went somewhere else before you came back to TCU, right? Yeah, yes. Before to the Neely school. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. Where, where'd you go there? I was, well, for a brief period of time um, at a company called Complex Sports that was working with Rob Gronkowski and his brothers. They have businesses when he retired, um, started some businesses. And so I was doing business development and and working um, for him and his family. 
Um, and then when COVID happened, it basically shut down all of the events they were doing. And so I went to, um, came back to a local company here that was in um, healthcare for higher ed. It's called Timely MD. Amazing story. You should interview their CEO um, and, and their founders. Um, have really transformed um, the healthcare space um, during COVID for, uh, they do virtual health for colleges and universities, so only serve college students. So I went there um, and was working with all of their college, um, with all their college partners, about 30 college partners to bring this program um, to campus. So leading a team of marketing, administration, the care teams um, to basically bring that, bring that platform to the college. They'd never had anything like this before. So introducing it to them, um, recruiting students to get involved and engaged on campus. So, and, 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 I'm, and I really do, I come back kick a dead horse here, right? I'm good at doing that, yeah. as my daughter <laughs> yeah. will say, uh, is, you know, because I am intrigued. I'm always trying to understand perspectives more. And especially since, you know, my daughter is 21 now, right? And so she is, you know, she's still figuring things out at college. And that's why she goes, is she going to college? That's why she's at college. Yeah. And she's figuring stuff out, which is fine, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the, probably going to. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this, I'm, she's actually thanked me on multiple occasions. She's like, you're the only one not up my butt right now on stuff. And I was like, well, yeah. I dropped out of high school at 17. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All I'd yeah. say, you know. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? But but I'm always trying to learn more of a perspective so that way I can be a better guidance. Because, like, when my daughter, like, she's going through a, mm-hmm. a roommate issue right now. Oh, yeah. And so she's uh, – she's I've t- usually all she does is text me. And I've talked to her on the phone three times this week, right? Yeah. And, and But when she calls me, which I feel really, really honored that she calls me and asks me for advice on stuff, right? Mm, yeah, but I like great. to do it very much kind of like EO does, you know, very gestalt, experience, share. You know, hey, here are some options I've seen, and these are not all the options out there. Right. Right? Um, but I know that, that she is going to she's – gonna, she's going to have to uh, fight – for some things more just because she's female, not male, growing sure. up, right? Sure. Uh, uh, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's a reality. I mean, people can be like, it's not fair, it's not that. Yeah, I'm not arguing that fact. I'm just saying the reality of it, it is, it's out there, mm-hmm. right? And so, in your experience of being in those boys' club type mm-hmm. things, mm-hmm. what are some of the things you did? And, and there's no wrong answers here. It's like, hey, I did this to cope with it till I no longer had to cope with it. Or I did this where I was like, I'm going to do this right till I can really show them what, what mm-hmm. time it is, mm-hmm. right? Does that question make sense? I think so. Um, being it, So being in those situations, I do remember um, I, I'm big on timing is everything. And, you know, it's kind of uh, is chess, is forward thinking, uh, thinking ahead, you know. To your plays, like chess players will say, like they know they have the whole game, you know, mapped out based on who they're playing, and they know exactly what their strategies are depending on the moves. So, for me, I think at a very young age, and like I said, those experiences being around a lot of powerful power players at a young age that were very successful in watching, I learned about the timing and kind of when to, you know, hey, here's when I can insert myself and and make a big influence and make a big impact. It, I don't need to do it every single meeting. I don't need to, you know, give my, you know, what I would do in every situation. And when you're in, you know, I've been in 
on executive teams and, you know, where, again, I, we all have ideas, we all have comments, we want to, you know, comment about everything that's going on in our team or our company. But I really learned, okay, you know, to do a lot more listening and then wherever the problem solving was to come in with some solutions, like re- real, really well thought out things versus just my comments and, oh, that's a good idea or we should do this, but really timing out um where I can make, you know, the biggest influence um, with either with my team or individually, what, you know, whatever that solution might have been. But um, probably timing is the best answer and just, you know, being patient. You don't, I'm very uh, assertive person and very audacious and very, I mean, like I said, I'm the oldest of five. If I go into a room and everyone's talking about the problem, I will, I want to fix it. And I'll say, okay, let's hold on. You do this, you do this, you do this. Um, and I've kind of had to learn to rein that in because on the teams that I've been on, there may not have been someone like me, but if there is someone like me, then it's like, oh, well, wait, okay, well, you do it. That's fine. Or they're indecisive or then it makes me indecisive. So it would, I had to learn how to, um, you know, work, uh, let people do what they're going to do. And again, on the timing, like, okay, here, well, here's what I can bring, or I'll tackle this part. You tackle that part and this team or that team, um, you know, whatever that might've been, but, um, uh, yeah, timing and, and well thought out, you know, not, not again, as a female to back around your question, um, coping mechanism, maybe just, you know, not really coping, but just learning on timing. And again, I've been on teams where, you know, it, it hasn't been real supported. If I have an idea or something and I've gotten shot down many times and I mean I'm hell I'm in sales I've been doing that forever so no doesn't mean anything to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't mean anything to me anymore um yeah. but um but I learned from that you know there's no it it just means it, no for today maybe and then you know a lot of times it would just say okay I need to rethink that and then go represent it another time to get it done so um but it it's it is when you are very strong-headed type a <laughs> I want to, you know, I have a goal to get something done. Um, you know, as a young person, it is like learning. And it's dependent on the environment. You may have an environment where it's really supportive and they're going to listen to everything you say, but probably not all the time. Yeah. So I'm trying to teach my 20-year-old son right now, like, how to, you know, be proactive. Like, what's the worst they could say? No. And, you know, but he's at that age where, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's he's sending out resumes and CVs and stuff like that. I'm like, just what's the worst at the end of the day? You can, you can say, well, I sent it to, I sent it to them and they turned me down. They turned me down. They passed on me five years ago and look where I am. Yeah. So, um, trying to teach that is difficult. Well, if you figure out the yeah. sauce to it, let me know, please. <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll monetize that quickly. Right. <laughs> You're like, well, I had to say bye to TCU. I got yeah, my yeah, own yeah, national right. series on how to <laughs> right. make your a 20-year-old do what you want. and uh, yeah. Understand your perspective. From, oh, man. You're yeah, not, it's hard. You're not, you're not kidding. And I, I, really, I, really, I really honed in on what you said is in, instead of – Coming to the problem with just gossip and complaints is coming to the problem with solution or solutions, you know, that are well thought out, right? Yeah. You don't have to have yeah. an answer right then to impress yeah. anyone. No. Yeah. In fact, if you listen more and then maybe ask questions, like I take a lot of notes. I'm a voracious note taker. And then, like at the board meeting, so much great information. And I had some quick 
idea solutions right there, but that's reactive, right, mm-hmm. to, to one thing I've heard about that. So really, holistically, especially what I'm doing right now as a new person is to look at, there's a lot of different layers to that team, to any team, to any project that people are working on. So just make sure I you know, am, am really understanding each of those kind of cogs in the wheel so that we're going to go forward efficiently. <laughs> so I'm listening to you say being the new person is, in my opinion, I think it it's better suited just to say the different person because you're not new to any of this, yeah. right? Maybe the widgets new, right? Right. Sure. But I mean, I, I mean, we're what 30, 45 minutes into this and I'm sitting here going, wow, you've got a plethora of experience yeah. that can, that can eat, that can, that can translate. Right. Because sometimes you have folks that are, they're, they're so out to prove themselves that you want to go, hey, look, I get it. You know, maybe you're female and you're playing in boys club here and you're trying to be out there to prove yourself. You might make it further if you just dial it back a little right. bit. Or somebody that you know has the potential and needs to be more assertive, like, hey, you, you can do it. Yeah, go you're going to have to assert it. Uh, so it's like, <laughs> it's like so on my uh, real estate team, Span Group, right? James and I are the only males. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when we were having our team meeting last week and we were going through things, you know, so this is the follow up meeting to going, hey, what's, you know, whatever, right, we're going to change. You're going to do this. You're going to do that after listening because you said you don't like doing this. You said you like doing this, you know, and all that, yeah. making it better. And one of the things that James and I were trying to make the point of, uh, because we've got one newer person on the team. Uh, he's got a lot of experience in sales, came from medical sales, mm-hmm. uh, down to, you know, my wife, who's married to me long before we were doing business together, uh, to Michelle and Lynn, is I said, look, James is like me in, in the sense of if you see something, say something, just be direct, right? You're not going to hurt our feelings. Remember, I got empathy and harmony at the bottom of mine. You're not going to, right. right? I mean, like, we. <laughs> They go, well, you know, I just didn't want to scan it. Like, look, trust me, you have no idea how much I've been MF'd in, in right. things over my time period. You're, there's nothing you're going to say, but to be more direct at times, but also to know when to dial it back. Like, that's what I had to learn mm-hmm. yeah, when I was going through the program, right? Mm-hmm. It's because, and it wasn't because I was trying to prove something. I'm just all gas pedal all the time. Yeah, sure. And I got Rob Rhodes going, hey, man, you can do great. But you're gonna have to you're gonna have to dial back. Kevin Davis too was like, man, hey, look, you're gonna do great, but you, I'm not saying you got to hit the brake pedal. Just let off that gas pedal a little yeah. bit, right? In, in you know, in the performance of anybody, but um, uh, but yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's such a a, a key point, and, and especially in this program. And everybody that's listened to the show knows how much I'm a fan of TCU's Executive MBA. I've changed everything for me. Right. That's awesome. And, and and the thing is, is I learned more from people who were not like me and did not look like me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And to the example, Christy Thomas, and I love her. Right. So when we when we got to our third team and she and I were the two biggest personalities and they were like, uh, man, I don't know if we should let them be on the same team. <laughs> and Kevin Davis had said, he goes, nah, I, I think Span's learned enough. I think she's learned Let's enough. It. Yeah. And it was the great ultimate test, right? Mm-hmm. 
and, and we did. And we just built this bond that was just incredible. And, you know, because I do, I do think that they're, the talent pool uh, for potential candidates to do TCU's executive MBA program needs to feel like, hey, wait a minute. I got people that are going to be in this program that are not like me and right. do not look like me. Mm-hmm. And I can get in here and, 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 you know, rub elbows with them and get down in the trenches and do things together. Yeah. And that's right. one of the big values is like, we, that's right. We don't want, we, we, if you get, we put you in a room with people that are just like you or uh, then what value are you getting out of that? I mean, it's, it's that, that's not what, that's one of the core um, is to mix the, That's why we mix the groups up during it. And when we're curating our cohort, this is an elite group of people. It's only 25 to 30 um, out of, you know, many, many applications. I mean, it's a curated thing. We, I mean, and that is for your value as a student. I mean, if we just let it, let whoever, you know, in and at what point and what time, I mean, it wouldn't, you know, that decreases the value. So it's a very intentional program because of that so that, you know, you get the value of that diversity of ideas and people and backgrounds and industries you're going to learn so much just like you said the one thing i've heard more from alums is that they learned more from the people and it certainly the curriculum has has taken them to the next level right they understand and know more than they ever did but they learned so much more about the people and themselves as a leader yeah and so er, early on and it's another little question i'm just going to keep firing them off like cannons right is uh um, what what are, what are you already identifying as challenges in your role to recruit? Just not you specifically, but just, I mean, we're in a different world now yeah. than we were 12 mm-hmm. months ago, 24 months ago, 36 months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Is what are some of the challenges that you're already seeing and you're like, hey, I'm going to have to block and tackle on this stuff because these are just the reality of some challenges. Yeah. Probably the biggest one is that, like you said, they're they're already, especially now, maybe a little more last year, but we still have people who are in the middle in in an undecided stage themselves. It's I think it's easier, well, not easier, but what I've what I've heard from alums so far, you know, to make this kind of big transformative decision to enter this program, you know, when you felt a little more established, and some of those people are just still coming out of that, so they're just a little. You know, might might be what what I perceive to be might be, um, but that, but then I have a few who are like, oh, it's a transformative time. I'm ready. This is the the time to you know go go back and spend the time um, to to be in the EMBA program. Um, so that's potentially one challenge is that is just getting them to make a decision when it's maybe a little bit of an an unknown time, either where they're coming from or where they've been to to focus on something different. Um, the other, and I think we talked about this at the board meeting, I really, well, I mean, North Texas is what, like 7 million people. I mean, <laughs> huge. It's just getting the, the word out. I mean, we are, again, our, we're a very small elite program. There's plenty of, of people here. So challenge for me is just, just getting the word out so that we do have, um, you know, highly or continue to have a highly selective program of the best students and best cohorts. So it's really funny. Uh, you, you said this, and I, and I, and I, and I kind of already got a follow up on this. Is is there a right or wrong time to come do this 
program? That's all. That's a question that I, I've, I've even asked yeah. my myself for a long time. Like mm-hmm. I was supposed to be in the 2013 class. Okay. But oh. I was coming out of an undercover role, and mm-hmm. in, in the middle of, you know, because here's 2013 class means I would need to start in 2012, mm-hmm. right? And I had a lot of different things going on in 2012 when I was still at the PD. That it was like this is not a not right time for me. It's like I I'm in the middle of making a transition over here where right I I can't be there on Fridays right. and Saturdays because I'm not allotted to be there mm-hmm. on Fridays and Saturdays. Where I therefore had to wait till the next class so I could be in a position that would give me that every other Friday Saturday off to be able to attend a class. Right. right? So I'm not talking about a timing per that per mm-hmm. se, but a timing of should I be you know, is this the right time? Should I do it now? Should mm-hmm. I do it later? Is there a right or wrong time, you think? I, I don't think so. I don't think it's right or wrong. It's so subjective for each person. I mean, I, I guess there there could be for each individual one, but across the board, if somebody said, does this feel like a good time to you? I mean, it, again, that's really mm-hmm. subjective. It depends on what's going on. Um, but... I would say, and and this, you know, the executive MBA program, as you know, we do want the right time, three years out of college, not the right time for for executive MBA. Other programs, yes, professional (laughs) MBA, please come to call me. Um, Working MBA, things like that. But for the executive MBA program, there is a right time in the sense that this is for, this program is for, you know, 10 to 15 years experience you know, manager level, director level that, that want to either pivot into a different industry, um, be entrepreneurs, you know, now I've got all this experience at this, at these companies and what I've done, but I want to start my own thing. And we have a, a prospect I was talking to yesterday. That's exactly what he's doing. He's like, I've worked for an amazing company, nothing wrong with them, but I'm going to start my own thing now. So I need to know how to start a company and run a company. And, um, so that would be the, the right or wrong. There's definitely, you know, parameters that we want in that cohort that have that types of experience, not just for them, but to bring to the, to the table for the other students. So it's really, this is the reason I'm sitting here smiling is because it, uh, you know, asking all these questions, trying to learn more about you myself. Right. And, you know, and it is, it seems like one of the, the, the strengths that you have had, leading through challenging teams, maybe challenging environments was, and, and you really put a lot of emphasis on this, was timing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so being able to connect with someone who's a potential prospect on mm-hmm. timing and what that means, So because I, I, I do think that there's a lot of folks out there, and it's look, this, is, this has been a, a running challenge since the program started 20 years mm-hmm. ago, right? Well, is the right now the right time? Is it the right timing, right timing? And being able to have a professional like yourself be able to break down what does timing mean mm-hmm. more further than just the the cliche of saying, well, right yeah. timing. Does that make sense? Yeah, certainly. So that's a, certainly. That's a strength. I, one of the quotes that I've recently heard <laughs> is, it's already later than you think. <laughs> and a futurist, right? <laughs> She she had a quote the other day, but this was from a movie, ironically, and I thought that's exactly right. It's it, you know she she kept saying you know the future is now it's already happened, but but the one I heard in the movie it's already later than you think. I always use the one time is a thief. So when someone asks me I'm going to wait or whatever, and I said well time is a thief. It's going to steal all that from you tomorrow. You know right now. 
So all your time is, is you know, passing. So, um, but I'm an optimist, you know, again, futurist, like why wait, right? Just like I was telling my son, like, what's the regret? Like, at least just, just do it, right? Do or do not. There is no try. Right. <laughs> um, but um, it's already later than you think. So to answer, you know, when I'm talking to prospects for EMBA, um, especially at that level, like it's already later than you think. Like, like, you know, why not? Right. And it might be a very, you know, technical issue or scheduling or something. Okay, well, well, let's work around that. Let's figure it out. It might not be your time in August, maybe, you know, this time. But let's get a plan together so that you can next August, right? That just comes with planning and management, just like you would do anything else, you know, a big vacation, you know, time off for your your kids, things like that. So, um, but as far as, you know, the transformative change, you know, change my life, I'm never, I've worked in sports, I've worked in so many different industries. When I was talking to the Neely School and I talked to two alums before I accepted the role, and I've never heard someone talk about a program and say it changed my life in, in the business realm, never. And so I, when I heard that, I'm like, okay, this is, this is special. It, you know, for these people to say that, who were at a very high level already and spent their time and invested their time and money and effort, and they would do it all over again. That was, that was impactful for me. So Yeah, I can remember when I was doing my initial interviews, right? And uh, and I had interviewed with Rob Rhodes, and uh, and again this is you know this is back in 2012 because I was going to do the 13 class. Actually, it was 2011. It was actually 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 2011. And uh, and it was funny. I remember sitting in his office, you know, because I was there to be on the fast track to keep going going up through the PD. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, no small feet, you know, 12th largest police department in the United States, yeah. you know, and a lot of growth, growth in city. And he just looked at me and he said, uh, you're, you're not going to be in your career by the time you get through this. Wow. And I was like, what? And I was like, you, <laughs> chief call you and tell you, yeah, sign him up. I'm getting fired. Right. Like, what? You know? Yeah, we need him. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then it did because it just it opened my mm-hmm. eyes to doors that I did not well, there was always this burning desire, entrepreneur desire yeah. inside of me that it was just, I didn't, it was like, well, when Ken Stevens and I were sitting there, you mm-hmm. know, kind of going forward, just, it was having access, understanding how these things work. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a technique now that I know that. And then it's like, hey, sky's the limit now, right? That's right. And then uh, like one of, you know, one of my, when you were, you know, talking about your son, and I tell my daughter this all the time. I, tell her, I probably tell everybody all the time. I'm really good at repeating myself. Yeah, me too. You know, oh, man, like James, who just graduated from the program last yeah. year, he goes, dude, I used to think you're really witty. And he goes, you're so unoriginal. You literally say the same thing over yeah, and over. You just you just That's find mean. new people to say it to, That's so it seems all new and witty. I have started saying, have I told you this yet? Have I told you To that? at least give a fair warning. <laughs> Have I already told you this? Have I already told I, you or this? Or I probably told you yeah. this, so I'm a softball, right? Like, oh, okay. yeah. Just want to make sure you. Well, know. like when you said you were like, what's the worst I could say is no? Yeah. Is I tell my daughter all the time, the answer is no, 100 percent of the time if you don't ask. Well, right. Right. Or you miss what is it? You miss 100 yeah. percent of the shots shot you never take. Right. That was what Michael Jordan. Yeah. Or, or, my son's an athlete. Yeah. Like he knows. Right. Like yeah. He plays baseball, the worst statistical sport ever. Yeah. I'm like, just. 
go for it. Yeah, just take a swing. Yes. Right? You never know. You might get lucky sometimes, <laughs> right? Which I really don't believe that. No, I do believe there's luck. There's, there's a lot of luck that's been involved in my life. I've, I've been very fortunate to be the right person at the right place at the right time my entire life. Um, or as my buddy Ricky, who's been on the show here, he said, man, you're like Forrest Gump, man. He goes, and if you didn't have anybody to verify your story, nobody would believe. They would think you're a fictional character, right? It, is that you, you've got to put it out there, right? You've got to just go for it. And, I mean, what's the worst that happens? Right. Yeah. Our friend Michael Sherrod, for yeah. example. yeah. When he started the program, he had to leave, and then a couple of years later came back and finished the program, right? Maybe it was a year, maybe it was two years. I can't remember what mm-hmm. it was that he told me. But, you know, but he at least got it started, but he knew he had seen enough right. that he was like, I know I need to come back and get some more of this, yeah. right? And that's uh, so that's that that's pretty that's that's pretty powerful. So you said so so you know the the you know talking about you know right and wrong time. You also said getting word out on the program, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, we live in a, a world of a lot of white noise, a lot mm-hmm. of static, a lot of distractions, a lot of things where right. you might miss it if you weren't looking for it. So what are, what are some things you're thinking about of overcoming those challenges? Yeah. Well. Our alumni network, obviously, but even we, the EMBA program has been around 20 years. But again, we only have a very small class intentionally. That's about five. I think it's, what did we say? 500 people. We're having our 20th mm-hmm. anniversary this year. So 20 years of you know, successful um, programs. But that's a very small portion, right? And even those networks, I mean, we know how viral things work. Even if that, you know, they all posted something tomorrow. It's just a very small thing. But I have lived in Fort Worth my whole life. Um, I have worked at TCU, have worked in business in Dallas-Fort Worth, and was not getting information, you know, about the program to me, right? So there's all these bubbles of information that we all kind of live in where this is what we follow, and I follow these things on Twitter, and we know how exposure to algorithm, the algorithm manage our exposure, and we're only going to get things that we really are highly engaged with. So my challenge is to kind of get us out of, honestly, the, the TCU bubble. And there's a ton of, you know, um, going on at TCU. So even breaking out of that and, and getting into um, businesses and organizations, companies that are new to this area that don't know about us. And so that's really my charge, too, is not only promoting the program, but promote, or promoting EMBA, but just the graduate programs, the Neely School, to all of these companies that have come in. So from my background in working with corporate partners for 20 years, um, that's a part of it I'm really excited about is, is not just, yes, recruiting students and, and showing them what an amazing program this is going to be, but, but the ones that come to us organically, but really going out and um, you know, hitting the streets and making sure that, that businesses know about the value. Because I don't, I don't think, I think it's, it has to be really organically done. I'm a team of one. Um, but thankfully, and um, being connected here, you know, I know kind of different pockets of, of people and places to go and just making sure, you know, we're the squeaky wheel. We're top of mind as many places as we can be. We're at events. And, um, but that's, that's kind of a new thing that the EMBA program is, is a small program inside a, a, a very prestigious business school. Um, and so we just haven't had the marketing firepower, but I'm really excited. We have an amazing student engagement team now some dedicated marketing that, that, that people will see go out. So hopefully people will see it in, in, in the next few months, some, some new things coming out for sure in the fall 
when things kind of roll out and, and, and see more people out talking about it. So, yeah, that's, that's, that, that's, that's really good stuff. And I, you know, and I do think that the program grows better with brand, Mm -hmm. the more outside the TCU bubble people coming in. You and I talked about that some last Friday, right? Is because it's, it, it truly is, you know, important because then they're, well, one is bringing them here. So it's interesting, interesting uh, dynamic I learned about medical schools and residencies was there is a significantly, and I can't remember what the percentage is, so I won't quote the percentage, but it's a pretty significantly high percentage of those doctors that will settle in the area that they do their residency mm-hmm. in, right? Mm-hmm. So if you have folks that are coming from all over the U.S. and for class weekends every other weekend, mm-hmm. right, is there might be a good chance that let's say they are CEO of a company or own a company or whichever or on their way up, right so there, forth, yeah. right, going, hey, I need to really open my eyes to maybe moving my company to Fort Worth. That's right. Right? And then uh, and then one, one of the other advantages that, that – um, that I, I think you'll definitely have is corporate has its own language, mm-hmm. oh, right? For sure. For and, sure. And, 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 I've, and I've learned this because I don't know what the language is, mm-hmm. right? I, I know government language. Yeah. I know marine language, which has four-letter words, every yeah. other word. <laughs> so you know, corporate. I know, I know <laughs> entrepreneur language, business owner language. You know, I understand, you know, MBA language. You know, I mean, I, I understand a lot of languages, but being around folks that were – Indoctrinate, indoctrinated, 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 how do you say that Indoctrinated in corporate life, Mm -hmm. unless you learn to speak that corporate language, you're going to be left behind, right? So you having the ability to speak that corporate Mm -hmm. language, Mm -hmm. I think will give an advantage too. Because someone like me walks in and tries to penetrate the corporate (laughs) language thing, it would be like me speaking Mandarin to you right now. You'd be like, man, I have no idea what this guy's talking about. I need to get him out of here. (laughs) But to be able to go in and speak same same language, mm-hmm. I think that that certainly helps move the needle along the way. Yeah, right? I'm hoping so. And and you're right. How they're structured, who those decision makers and influencers are in those corporate companies that that will that will that will care about that, right? That you know, HR teams and um, continuing education and, and people like that, and hiring managers, right? So um, not just sending us students, but hiring, right? I mean, that's part of the network of being in the, at the Neely School, too. Um, so you're right. A lot of them just haven't been touched, I don't think, um, about, you know, what the value they know about TCU. Obviously, athletics is our, you know, the front porch for sure. And certainly the Neely School is another big part of, of that. But really knowing, you know, starting that relationship. And like I said, that's been, that's why I've been in sales my whole life. I love the relationship and, and meeting people and seeing and how I can help them. So I'm excited. There's so much growth here. So many new companies, so many young companies um, and young entrepreneurs that, again, I know are going to bring amazing things to our future cohorts across the programs. So, uh, and I know you're, you're, you're excited about a lot of things in this role now, this different role, not new role. Yeah. <laughs> not new person, different person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, is there one thing and, and it may not be you know but is there one thing that gets you more excited than anything else is there like something that's like that this is the burning globe and you know i got like 50 things i'm excited about but this one thing is really what i'm excited about oh wow i i'm excited to um i get excited talking to the students for sure 
So in the new role, in the different role, um, this is because it's, I've heard it so transformative. I'm looking so forward to just hearing more of those stories, um, sitting in some of the classes, um, uh, and, and watching the journeys of the people that are on it, like, like yourself and obviously hearing it about it. But now, like I've had a few interviews this week, like I get to start with that person from where they are now and watch what's going to happen. And to me, I'm an experiential social person. Um, it, and it, I've done kind of the same thing with intern, my interns that were my interns when 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And now I've watched them go through their journey. I'm going to get to do that again with people, um, you know, but, but on a different scale. So I'm, I'm really excited to, to go on the journey with these new students that I'm starting with. I get, I've met them from the beginning. I've heard where they are. They made this decision and get to watch what happens from here. And that's going to be awesome. So I'm excited about that. That's and, and 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 if I didn't say it the other day, congratulations on on your on your on your role here. Thank you. Right. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I mean, I'm just better you like than you me. Said, lucky. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll be calling you. <laughs> like you said, lucky is you know when I announced this role on social media this week, and people were like, "This is perfect." Like, oh my gosh, you couldn't have created a better role, a better marriage of the corporate partnership experience you have. And obviously TCU, but, you know, and, and working with people and the relationships, like I couldn't have created a more perfect one. And it came to me from someone, you know, inside. I was like, well, I don't, I have higher ed experience, but not, you know, really in that arena, but it, it couldn't be more perfect. So I'm excited. That's, man, that's exciting. So let's, yeah. let's go back to 20 year old Tracy. <laughs> let's say you, you opened a time capsule and there was a note card saying, hey, I'd be willing to listen to future Tracy jump in a time machine, come back and tell me one thing that I would either do or not do that I would carry forward. I'd be willing to listen to that one thing because we know 20-year-old self wouldn't listen to yeah. current self or else we'd be further along in life anyways. But if there was that one thing, what would you go back and tell 20-year-old self? Okay, I'm thinking do or not do. Mm. I would say act more act on things more. There were a few opportunities that I didn't act on that I was hesitant that I didn't know enough. What I didn't have the confidence in people around me. They were some kind of singular ideas. And literally like one or two years later, someone did it. It was like this widely successful thing. And I was like, and not that it was a new idea and there are no new ideas, but the action on something, like you said, it's already later than you think. And what would have been the you know, downside. Oh, I tried it. I mean, it, they weren't like major, you know, life changing at that point, especially at that point, like young, um, but act out, you know, act on things, you know, have that confidence in your, you know, if you, if it's what I have learned, if it's burning, like you said, it's just burning entrepreneurship or burning, you know, this, if it keeps at you, there's a purpose for that. I completely believe the universe revolves around manifesting what you're supposed to be doing. And it's just going to keep at you until you do it. It's like the lesson's not going to go away until you correct it. It's the same thing. Like something's going to keep at you. So just act, act on it. Do it. Same thing I tell my son. Like just go for it. What do you think, Gage? What's our record now? She's our 90th episode. Oh. That we've recorded total. No, no. Uh, yeah, where were we at? 89, 90, something like that. 90 that we've recorded no same answer so far on that question. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, I it's going to happen. It, that's a great list to 
Oh man! Share. Oh, Aaron, my wow. producer, you met. One of the things we joke around is maybe we ought to relabel the show. What ah. would you say, twenty-year-old self? I mean, we'd have at least ninety episodes out of that. So people want That's to learn great. more about uh, TCU Executive MBA and the other graduate programs at Neely. Yes. Where do they go to find you? How do they get in touch with you? So the the website address is neely.tcu.edu. Um, and the grad programs page will be on there, or you can enter, you know, you can Google graduate programs at TCU and you're going to, you're going to hit our page and learn all about our programs. Like I said, we have working professionals, part-time, brand new online MBA. And then of course the executive MBA for, for that level. But, um, that's, that's where they go. They can find me You can Google Tracy Larison and you'll find me too on that, on there. Um, but you know, the internet is a wonderful thing, but yeah, TCU grad programs, all kinds of options. I would love, love, the great thing is, if you haven't been on campus, some people say, I've been to TCU. No, you haven't, if you haven't been to Neely, it's a different experience. You gotta come see it. So I would love to have anybody over and take a tour, give them more information. And if you were driving down the road and uh, you didn't have a chance to write all that down as usual, you can go to our webpage, myexperiencerealtor.com. You can click on podcasts. Scroll down to the episode with Tracy Larison here, and uh, you, we'll have all these links on there for you to be able to uh, connect with her uh, to get in one of these great programs. Obviously, you know how I feel about them. And, uh, and, of course, you're looking to buy and sell real estate anywhere, anytime on the planet. Go to that homepage, click Find a Trusted Professional, and we'll get you taken care of. Tracy, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Jeremy. Yeah. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me.